0: 3 of a series called Lead Like Jesus. And today we're going to be talking about intentional leadership. But before we get into that, let's review really quick. This series is all about becoming a better leader. Why? So that we can lead ourselves, our homes, whatever God has put in our hands in a way that honors him. And why is leadership important? Because there's a vacuum for leadership in the world today, and it's in the church to do it's in the church too. God needs leaders. He calls people. He needs us to say yes to him and follow him with all of our hearts, right? For whatever reason, and I don't know why, God chose to use people. And sometimes I know myself and I know how, how, um, how fickle I can be, how unreliable I can be sometimes. And I'm like, God, why in the world would you choose to use someone like me? Has anybody ever thought that? But the fact remains that all throughout scripture and all throughout human history, God has used people. He's used people. And so we need to be better leaders. In Matthew chapter nine, we've talked about how Jesus saw the crowds and he had compassion on them. Why? Because they were like sheep without a shepherd. And so Jesus looked to his disciples and he said, pray that the Lord of the harvest would send more workers into his harvest field because the harvest is great, but the workers are few. And so that leader that we've been talking about throughout this series could be you. And this morning, I just wanna take it one step further. That leader that Jesus was talking about there, that worker, when Jesus looked at the the multitudes and he had compassion on them because they looked like sheep without a shepherd, and he said, disciples, pray that God would send more workers into his harvest field. That worker, that leader that he was talking about is you. If you've decided to follow Jesus, if you've made him the Lord of your life, at the moment that you accepted Christ as your personal savior, you became forgiven, you became his his best friend, you became a son, a daughter of God, all those amazing things that, that the Bible describes us as, as followers of Christ, but you also became a leader. You became someone who follows Christ in the greatest mission that the world has ever seen, to point all people towards him. And so here at Mosaic Church, we like to say that we're gonna love God, we're gonna love, love people, and we're gonna lead the way. And Jesus was the greatest leadership model of all time, and so we wanna lead like him. And so first week we talked about being a servant leader, last week we talked about being an exponential leader, and today the big idea is that Jesus was an intentional leader. He was an intentional leader. So let's dig in. How many of you know that having teenage kids is an adventure? Come on, somebody. You know, you know. Having teenage kids is an adventure, and I know not just because I have them, but because I was one. How many of you, you get to have teenagers, and then you look back on being a teenager, and you're like, oh my goodness, I hope they're not like I was, right? Right. Sometimes we forget how, how, how much trouble we gave our folks when we were kids. But what's striking, uh, what the most amazing superhero quality that teenagers have that I'm realizing in my kids is their ability to explain away their behavior. Right? Their uh, amazing ability to redirect, to reframe, to, to put things in a different light, right? For instance, I have one particular son who loves to throw balls everywhere he goes. He, he, you know, he, he's throwing stuff and catching stuff and, and, and bouncing stuff off things. And, and, and so he'll be throwing the ball and, and doing this and, and doing that. And all of a sudden, he hits, he hits somebody in the face with the ball, inevitably, right? That, that wasn't paying attention, that wasn't watching, that wasn't looking. And inevitably, the, the first thing that comes out of his mouth is something like, I didn't mean to do that. Right? Oh, it was an accident. And in that moment, he literally sees no connection between his actions and the result of his actions. Have you ever been there? Or they, the, the, the the kids will spend all their time with their friends out running about, stay up late, stay up all night, you know, doing what, what teenagers do, and then have no time to do chores. And then have the audacity to say, I didn't have time to do that, Dad. I intended to do my chores. They just didn't get done, right? And so there was this... Difference. There was this gap between the intentions and what happened. And there's this failure to realize that, oh my goodness, my choices, my choices are affecting the outcome. And too many times we take this ha- hazard approach with our lives. Even as adults we look at things in our life and we're like, why is it the way it is? And, and why are things in my life turning out the way they are? And, 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 and man, why does no one follow me at work? Why why can't anybody see me as a leader? And and, and we, we say all these things and, and, and we forget to realize that you know intent begins with our thoughts and then it works its way it works its way out through our actions. And so intent indicates prior thought. And, and we know, you know, God's scripture is really clear that, that some things are an overflow. Like when we say something we didn't mean to say, the Bible says, well, that actually came from your heart, right, because from the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. And so anytime you say, oh man, I didn't actually mean to say that, actually it came right out of the depths of your soul. How, how's that for a little encouragement today? God help me in the weaker vessel who says who says dumb things every single week. But some things are on purpose and came straight with intention, dripping with intention. And so when we look at the life of Jesus, we 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 talked about but if you remember back in the risen series around Easter, we talked about how many times Jesus told his disciples what he was going to do before he did it. He was incredibly intentional. He was intentional and here's what else we know. We know that great leaders are great thinkers, right? That You know, it just doesn't happen by accident that, that, they're, that they're great leaders and they take their organizations or their families or, or whoever they're leading to great places and great heights. I love what Craig Groeschel says. He says, your leadership is always moving in the direction of your strongest thoughts. Love that, that, that my strongest thoughts are not just just leading my life, but they're leading my leadership and and they're affecting how I lead and who I lead and and, and what I say to them and how I interact with them and, and all these things. In Ephesians 5.10, it says, carefully determine what pleases the Lord. And so and and you know, another verse says to work out your salvation with fear and trembling, and to, to actually think about how you're serving Christ and how you're leading. And so if we were gonna put all that in a nutshell, what would it boil down to? Intentionality. Intentionality. Many times, a leader's thoughts get intentionally articulated through, through three things that maybe you've heard about these, especially if you're in the corporate world. Vision, mission, and values. Vision, mission, and values. But you might say, well, Joe, I don't, I don't hear much about vision, mission, and values in Scripture. And you would be correct. You would be correct. There's no seminar in Scripture about how to create a good, a good vision statement or a mission statement or, or, or things like that. But as you look at the life of Jesus, you see the principles fleshed out all over the place of vision, mission, and values. And so today, as we talk about intentional leadership, I want to encourage you to develop your personal vision, mission, and values, to be intentional about your thoughts, set that aside, how it's actually coming out in your life and in your leadership. See if there's any gaps between what I intend and what I'm doing, like we see in the life of our our teenagers, and let's be honest, like we see in the life of ourselves many times. That there's this gap between what I say I believe, what I say my life is about, and what's actually happening through my actions. And then just remember, even though, you know, I want you to develop a personal mission, vision, and values, even though it's personal, that doesn't mean it has to be different than others. Why? Because we're all starting in the same place today. We're gonna start with Scripture. And so, Just a a few real quick definitions, and you can begin to fill in the blanks in your notes as we dive in today. Vision, let's define that. Vision is where are we going, where we are going, simply. And so a good scriptural vision that I think we could all apply is that all would know Christ. I think that's the heart of God. If we were to uh, just simplify what is our vision as Christ followers, as people that, that put Jesus first, our vision is that everyone on the planet would know Christ. Our mission, what's our mission? What's the definition? Why we exist? Really simply, why in the world are we here? This is our mission. And as believers, we know that our mission is the great commandment and the great commission. I'm gonna love God, I'm gonna love people, and I'm gonna lead people to Christ. That's our mission, it's why we exist. And then values, that's how we operate. Values are how we operate. And so how are we gonna do our vision and mission? We're gonna do it with the heart of service, with the heart of love, with the heart of compassion, with humility, all these different describers that are going to be our values as we live out the mission that God has given us. And so today, we're gonna look at being intentional with these things, How Jesus was intentional and how you and I can be intentional leaders when it comes to our personal vision, mission, and values. And so number one, what's the first thing we need to do as an intentional leader? We need to understand the big picture. We've gotta understand the big picture. This is what it looks like to be a person that has vision. And why do we need to see the big picture? Because if we don't see the big picture, if it's all about just our lane, our life, our stuff, just tunnel vision, my problems, my, my, my life. And so if we don't see the big picture, we'll go in all the wrong directions. We'll have all the wrong priorities. We'll, have, we'll be living for all the wrong reasons. And really what it boils down to is it will just boil down to self. It'll be all about me all the time. Right? And so we gotta look at this big picture, the whole scope of our life. And so how do we see the big picture? I think the best place to start is to look at what Jesus taught. You can see the big picture by what Jesus said, by what he did, by how he lived his life, and by what he taught. You can also see the big picture by understanding God's word from the beginning to end. From the beginning to end. Now, you might say, Joe, do I need to just go home and start at the beginning and just start reading? You know, that's one way, and eventually you're going to make it to the end. You know, I'm, I, I think I shared a few weeks ago, I was proud of my, my oldest son. The other day he came up and he said, Dad, I finished reading the Bible. And I'm like, dude, that's awesome. And we celebrated, but he started that journey years ago, right? And so it took him years to get from to beginning to end, and man, we, we, we uh, were happy for that. But man, there's so many tools these days to be able to understand kind of the themes of Scripture from beginning to the end. And not just taking verse here, verse there, but to understand the whole story of God. I think we need to do that. You know, for instance, if you just look at certain stories from God's word, if you just look at certain things that Jesus said or certain you know, things that happen in the Bible, you might conclude, you might have this big picture as you walk into church, and maybe you're searching and, and really don't know what's true and what's not true. You might have this, this big picture that, that you serve this God that's kinda out to get you. Maybe, maybe you think he's an angry God. When in reality, when you look at the whole of scripture, when you look at the big picture, you understand that he's a patient God, that he's a loving God, that, that he has a plan for you, that he's had a plan all along. And you may only see this big picture when you look at the whole story. And so Jesus comes on the scene and, and he gives us a glimpse into the big picture by the things he taught, by the things he said, by the things he did. Listen to what he said in Matthew four seventeen. He said, from then on, it says, from then on, Jesus began to preach. Repent of your sins and turn to God, for the kingdom of heaven is near. I love that. And so the writer of Matthew had the the chance to kind of encapsulate Jesus' message. From then on, he began to preach. And so he didn't just preach this once. He didn't just preach it twice. He preached it over and over and over. How many of you know if Jesus preached something more than once, then it probably has to do with the big picture. And I I better listen up. I better take note of what he said. And what did he say? Repent of your sins and turn to God for the kingdom of heaven is near. First Peter four, seven through eight gives another picture of the big picture. It says the end of the world is coming soon. Maybe you came today and you're like, Joe, I'm, I, it's hard for me to worry about the end of the world. I, I'm, not, I'm not having enough trouble with my life right here, right now, as it is. My family, my job, my, my stuff. Just hold on, the big picture is gonna help. So the end of the world is coming so soon. Therefore, that's a big word, be earnest and disciplined in your prayers. Most important of all. These are big picture words, aren't they? continue to show deep love for each other, for love covers a multitude of sins. I love this big picture verse because it it tells us the biggest of all pictures that, man, the end of the world is coming soon. That's that's big picture. But in light of the big picture, what do I do? I get really earnest and disciplined in my prayers. And most important of all, I'm going to show deep love for people. I'm going to show deep love for my spouse, for for those I come in contact with on a daily basis. Why? Because love covers a multitude of sins. And then in 2 Peter 3, 9 through 11, and verse 14, another big picture. It says he, and that he is talking about God. He doesn't not want anyone to be destroyed, but wants everyone to repent. Remember what Jesus said, Repent. Of your sins and turn to God for the kingdom of heaven is near. He wants everyone to repent, but the day of the Lord will come as unexpectedly as a thief. Then the heavens will pass away with a terrible noise, and the very elements themselves will disappear in fire, and the earth and everything on it will be found to deserve judgment. Since everything around us is going to be destroyed like this, now here's where it brings the big picture down to your life and my life what holy and godly lives you should live while you are waiting for these things to happen. Make every effort to be found living peaceful lives that are pure and blameless in His sight. This is the kind of intentional thinking that you and I have to implement in our lives if we're gonna connect this vision with our everyday life. And so what's the big picture? Jesus is coming back. I better have been somebody when when he comes back that has repented of my sins. I need to be leading others towards that repentance that man, I am not okay. I am a sinner that needs a savior and and I, I need to point people to Jesus, right? I better be earnest and disciplined with my prayer life. I better be, man, showing love for people. Because the big picture is that this world is not all there is, that this life is not the end, that this world and everything that you see and everything that you interact on a di- with, it with on a daily basis is temporary, it's but a vapor. And so in light of all that, therefore, man, While I'm waiting for these things to happen, I need to live a peaceful life that is pure and blameless in whose sight? In God's sight. That's the big picture, folks. And so the question for an intentional leader is how is the big picture of eternity being reflected in our lives? And does the trajectory of our life reflect eternal priorities? You see, Jesus did a lot of healing, he did a lot of training, he did a lot of preaching, but the big picture remained the same. The salvation of all mankind. That we would live lives in light of that big picture. And that when we look at the intentions, the actions of our life, are they supporting that big picture vision that God has given us? The second thing that an intentional leader does is they make God's mission my mission. We make God's mission our mission. In this series, Lead Like Jesus, we're not just taking uh, leadership principles from Jesus and and applying them to our life to make us better leaders just because, right? Because, let me be honest, I wanna be a better leader because I I wanna help people, right? But sometimes, I want to be a better leader because I know that that means I'm going to be more successful. Let's just be honest. Sometimes we're like, man, I want to develop and I want to grow because I want my business to grow. And if my business grows, that that means that, you know, I'm going to make more money and, and, you know, things are going to go well for me in life. And it is absolutely true that when we do life God's way and when we when we implement the principles of Jesus, a lot of times you will be more prosperous and things will go better for you, but but not always. Not always. And so, you know, this this isn't just a corporate exercise that we're doing through our life. This isn't just a a, man, I want to lead like you, God, so that you know life can be better for me. No. The Bible calls us to literally lead like he led. To do, Jesus looked at his disciples and said, man, the things that you've seen me do, you'll do things just like that and even greater things. So we're not to just follow him in principle, we're to literally follow him by example. Can I just give you a challenge today? Finding your own path is way overrated. Way overrated. Finding your truth, which I I can't I don't even know what that means. Way overrated. Figuring out just yourself. And although it, it is it is a good thing to figure out how God made you and how you made, and we'll talk about that, but but super overrated. You know what's even better? Making God's mission my mission. To get on track with Jesus, to do what Jesus did, to follow the greatest leadership model of all time. The Bible says it like this in Colossians 3.3. 3. It says, for you died to this life and your real life is hidden with Christ in God. I love that. The, the old is gone, the new has come. I'm, I'm hiding my old life. I, it's gone, it's away, and now I'm gonna be hidden in Christ, and I'm going to make his mission my mission. And so we all have a shape. We all have a unique way that God has made you. And so that means we have a unique way of contributing, but we're all contributing to the same mission. And so big picture, this life is not the end. We need to repent. We need to turn towards God. We need to live lives for him. The mission, right? Man, I need to tell others. I need to to point people towards Jesus. I need to make Jesus famous. Let's let's look at some ways in scripture that that this is explained and fleshed out. In Philippians chapter three, verses seven through 11, Paul said it like this. He said, I once thought these things were valuable, but now I consider them worthless because of what Christ has done. Yes, everything else is worthless when compared with the infinite value of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For His sake, I've discarded everything else, counting it all as garbage, so that I could gain Christ and become one with Him. I no longer count on my own righteousness through obeying the law. Rather, I become righteous through faith in Christ. For God's way of making us right with Himself depends on faith. I want to know Christ and experience the mighty power that raised him from the dead. I want to suffer with him, sharing in his death, so that one way or the other, I will experience the resurrection from the dead. Paul was so consumed with Jesus, with putting a smile on his face, with knowing him, that he counted all the other accomplishments and successes in life worthless, in comparison with knowing Christ. Peter said it like this in 1 Peter 4, 1 through 2. He said, so then, since Christ suffered physical pain, you must arm yourselves with the same attitude that he had and be ready to suffer too. For For if you have suffered physically for Christ, you have finished with sin. Underline this next part, because most of us won't be able to relate with suffering physically for Christ, Most of you probably, now no promises, but most of you probably throughout the rest of your life will never literally suffer physically for Christ at the hands of another. You know, like some of our friends in the Middle East are doing right now where they're literally dying for their faith. You probably won't be faced with that decision in life. Who knows what the future will hold, but you probably won't. But listen to this next part you won't spend the rest of your lives chasing your own desires, but you'll be anxious to do the will of God. Man, what a better descriptor of making God's mission my mission. God, I don't want to chase my own desires the rest of my life. God, I literally want to see the big picture. I want to make your mission my mission, and I want to, I want to be anxious to do your will. Now the specifics of, of suffering for Christ and, and things like that may be different from life to life to life. And I'm glad that every single believer of in Christ wasn't martyred for their faith. Otherwise, they would have just all been gone. No, no, some of them had to live. Some of them had to continue to preach the gospel. Some of them had to plant churches and keep those churches going. And, and then their sons and their daughters had to keep it going and say yes to the call of God and yes to the call of faith. And, and so, you know, it's, it's not God's will. That but the, the principle is true that if I'm going to follow Christ, I need to be ready. I need to be ready to suffer for following him. The timeless principle there is that there's always a personal cost to following Jesus. And if you're gonna make God's mission your mission, if you're gonna do what Jesus did, preach the gospel, share your faith, live the life, be pure and blameless, there's a cost to following Jesus. There's a cost. That cost can be fleshed out in a lot of different ways in your life. And I I believe that as we read these scriptures, the the Holy Spirit is probably shining a spotlight in your heart or your life, uh, you know, in some, some ways and some things where, hey, he's asking you to pay that cost or another cost. The third thing that we need to do as we try to be intentional leaders like Jesus was, We don't wanna just be people who have good intentions, but we want to get it into our life. And so this is the big how. We need to get specific on the how. And what are the how? What's the how? It's the values, right? The values. And so what kind of values do we see in scripture? We see all kinds of great values of somebody who's a Christ follower, somebody who's loving, right? Who's bold, who has compassion. We see somebody who does things with excellence. Whatever you do, do it unto, unto God's glory. Man, we see the fruit of the spirit in scripture. And man, what an amazing list of values that we should implement in our life that we're going to be loving, joyful, peaceful. We're going to be good. We're going to be gentle. Man, these are all the how, right? And But there's more work to be done. When it comes to our values, because a lot of us say, man, I really value love or I value gentleness or I value steadfastness and and just being a consistent person. But once again, when we put it up against our calendar or our actions or how we treat our spouse or how we treat our kids or how we treat that other person at work. I don't know about you, but the values that I say don't always come out in my actions. And so it's helpful to me to get really specific on those values, and then to be journaling about it on a regular basis. Who do I wanna be, and how is that fleshing out in my life? Listen, if we aren't specific on the how, then the status quo will rule your days. If you're not specific on how, how are you gonna flesh out the, the vision and the mission in your life, then the status quo will rule your days, your values they guide your heart as well as your actions. That's why, you know, when we we unpack here at Mosaic Church, how we're going to love God and how we're going to love others and how we're going to lead the way, we get really specific. So when we say we're going to love God, what does that mean? It means it's not about us. We're here to make Jesus famous. That's what loving God looks like, that we're going to say less of us and more of him. What else do we say? We say that everything we do is for Jesus and deserves our utmost effort and excellence. That's what loving God looks like. We're going to be excellent in what we do. We say that the Bible is our act of God and foundation, that we're going to do what it says, and we're going to follow it the best we can, because that's what it means to love God. We say that prayers is our daily and constant method of talking to and hearing from Jesus. It's one of the primary ways that we love God. So, much of, so many of us look at, at, at prayer as a, as a thing to check off the list or a duty to just just you know, regularly do. No, no, it's a, it's a way that we love God. We talk to Him and we tell him how much He means to us, and, and we love Him in that way. How do we love others? Specifically, what does that mean? It means that we're going to do things that no one is doing to reach people that no one is reaching. We're going to go out of our way to show Jesus to people and to make a difference. We're going to remember that, man, we're never going to lock eyes with somebody that doesn't matter to God. Yes, that jerk at work, that EGR, the extra grace required person in your life, they too matter to Jesus, right? And so I'm going to repeat these values to myself over and over because my values are going to affect my actions. I'm going to remember that freely I've received, so I'm going to freely give. I'm not going to be a stingy person. I'm going to be generous with my love and generosity. It's going to be a hallmark of my life. When, man, when I'm going to love others, I'm going to remember that a non-serving Christian is a contradiction in terms. Jesus came to serve, so I'm going to be somebody that serves. Not just at church once a month during my serving opportunity, whatever that might be. And man, I thank you to everybody that serves here regularly at Mosaic Church. Man, you, you make it happen. But I'm going to have a heart of a servant towards my spouse and my kids and my co-workers. And like I said earlier, I'm going to, Implement the fruit of the spirit in my life. It's gonna be the standard in my relationships. And anytime I'm having a, a relationship kind of gone haywire in my life, and, and guess what? That happens to me almost weekly. Where there's some relational tension with somebody, and I've got to navigate and, and I've got to temper my 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 thoughts and my actions and my attitude and, and I've gotta I've gotta to repeat to myself the fruit of the spirit. I'm gonna be loving, I'm gonna be gentle, I'm gonna be. Right? I'm going to be joyful. I'm not going to be a downer. I'm, I'm going to try to lift others up. You've got to get specific on the how. And then, how are we going to lead the way? Get specific. That's why we say that everything rises and falls on leadership. If I don't tell my friends about Christ, who's going to? It says it really clear in Romans. How will they hear if no one tells them? So this is where the rubber meets the road. The values are gonna gonna be things that I actually do, not just things that I say. I'm gonna remember that everyone has influence. I have influence and you have influence. And so I've gotta use my influence to do my part, right? And so I wanna encourage you, just like we have these kind of you know, for lack of better terms, taglines or, or ways that we unpack the vision and the mission and the values, you know, here at our church. What's it going to be for you? What's it going to be for your family? What are the values that you want to actually live out? When's the last time you wrote them down? When's the last time you got specific? When's the last time you looked at your actions versus your values and, and kind of lined them up a little bit? Let's look at some scriptural examples as we close today. In 1 Peter five, or 1, 5 through 8, he says like this, in view of all this, right? And so I love those, these little connecting statements because he's saying basically in view of the big picture, in view of God is, in, in view of who God is and, and all that he's done, make every effort to respond to God's promises, supplement, and he gets really specific on his values here supplement your faith with the generous provision of moral excellence man that's a statement in our world today that there are excellent morals and less than excellent morals and so he's saying now i want to i want to be excellent in my morals and Moral excellence with knowledge and knowledge with self-control and self-control with patient endurance and patient endurance with godliness and godliness with brotherly affection and brotherly affection with love for everyone. Man, Peter just listed the values that he wants to implement in his life in a very specific and real way. The more you grow like this, the more productive and useful you will be in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Love that. Love it. And so, what do I see here? Man, I wanna wanna put words to my actions, I wanna be clear, I wanna be intentional, I wanna be honest, I wanna use scripture, but I wanna know what my values are. Listen to how Paul says it in 1 Corinthians 9. He says, don't you realize that in a race, everyone runs, but only one person gets the prize, so run to win. What a value. He's he's bringing it to life. He's making it so it it intersects with how he approaches his day. All athletes are disciplined in their training. They do it to win a prize that will fade away, but we do it for an eternal prize. Big picture, right? So I run with purpose in every step. He keeps the mission in mind. I'm not just shadow boxing. I discipline my body like an athlete, training it to do what it should. Otherwise, I fear that after preaching to others, I might, I myself might be disqualified. Wow. Put words to your values. How are you running the race? And the last but not least, John 3:16 through 17. Listen to this you may have never thought about it in this context of, of vision mission and values but listen to how jesus said it he said for this is how god loved the world he gave his one and only son right so right off the bat jesus is is exhibiting the values this is how god loved the world he gave his one and only son so that Everyone who believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life. There's the vision. God sent his son into the world, not to judge the world, but to save the world through him. And there's the mission. How distinctly, how clearly have you determined your own personal mission, vision, and values? And how are they fleshing out in your life, in your leadership, in who you are, in your schedule, and it's been said that the way that you can tell what's most important to you in life is to look at your calendar and your checkbook, right? Because your schedule and, and where you put your resources and your time and, and your, your money are really gonna tell you what's most important to you. And I just love that when Jesus comes and, and, and he tells what it's all about, he said, man, God so loved the world that he gave His one and only son. So why? That you and I could have a personal relationship with him. If you could bow your heads and close your eyes today. If that's you today, if you're like, Joe, I need to, I need the first implementation of values in my life. It needs to be to, to have a relationship with Jesus Christ. And that's me. I want to begin a relationship with Jesus Christ today. Maybe you've been coming for a few weeks. Maybe you've been listening online and, and it's time to start following Christ. It's time to get on God's page instead of your page. It's time to, to, because Jesus surrendered everything for you, for you to surrender everything for him. If that's you today and you'd like to begin a relationship with Jesus, no one looking around, but just between you and God, just raise your hand and say, God, that's me. Jesus, I wanna wanna start following you today. Amen, amen. Maybe you're here today, second group, and you say, Joe, I've had a lackadaisical approach to my my vision, mission, and values in my life. And it's it's time to get a little bit more intentional. It's time to lead myself more intentionally. It's time to lead my life more intentionally and get really clear in how God's Word is gonna intersect with my daily life. And you just wanna make a commitment to do so. If that's you, um, if you could just raise your hand with me today and, and we're going to pray a closing prayer. Amen. Let's pray together as we, as we finish this talk. God, we need you. I pray for those that raise their hand to accept you as their Lord and Savior. God, I pray that right now at their seats, they can just believe that you died on the cross for them, that you rose again on the third day. God, that they confess that they're sinners and they need a Savior and they accept that free gift of salvation that you've awarded to them, that you've afforded to them by your death on the cross. Thank you for dying in our place. Help us to follow you every day for the rest of our life in Jesus name. And God, for those of us that that just wanna tighten it up, God, we wanna wanna get more vigilant in how we run, in how we implement your word and how we we pursue your vision and your mission and, and implement your values into our life. God, I pray that we aren't just saying things, but that we're looking at how it's actually being fleshed out in our life and that we implement your vision, your mission, your values in how we live. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for joining us online at Mosaic Church. We hope today's message was life-changing and useful. For more info, visit mosaiccincinnati.com.